Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I'd jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to row.co slash snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. Newscast, the podcast designed to help you fall asleep. We'd like to thank our listeners. If you enjoy our shows, please write a review on the podcast app. Also, share us with a friend. Find us on snoozecast.com and follow us on social media and wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is supported by our Patreon supporters and by Petticoat Trousers. Tonight, we'll read a letter Thomas Jefferson sent to Maria Cosway in 1786. Jefferson met Cosway while traveling in France and was rather charmed by the Italian-English artist. In this letter, a sorrowful Jefferson imagines a debate between his head and his heart. A statesman, scholar, inventor, and third president of the United States Jefferson wrote some 18,000 letters in his lifetime. Let's get cozy. Close your eyes. Relax your body into the softness of your bed. Now, take a few deep breaths. To Maria Cosway, Paris, October 12th, 1786. My dear madam, having performed the last sad office of handing you into your carriage at the Pavilion de Saint Denis, and seeing the wheels get actually into motion, I turned on my heel and walked, more dead than alive, to the opposite door where my own was awaiting me. Mr. Dankerville was missing. He was sought for, found, and dragged downstairs. 
We were crammed into the carriage, like recruits for the Bastille, and not having soul enough to give orders to the coachman, he presumed Paris our destination, and drove off. After a considerable interval, silence was broke. This was a signal for a mutual confession of distress. We began immediately to talk of Mr. and Mrs. Causeway, of their goodness, their talents, their amiability, and, though we spoke of nothing else, we seemed hardly to have entered into the matter when the coachman announced the Rue St. Denis and that we were opposite Mr. Dankerville's. He insisted on descending there and traversing a short passage to his lodgings. I was carried home. Seated by my fireside, solitary and sad, the following dialogue took place between my head and heart. Head. Well, friend, you seem to be in a pretty trim. Heart. I am indeed the most wretched of all earthly beings, overwhelmed with grief, every fiber of my frame distended beyond its natural powers to bear. I would willingly meet whatever catastrophe should leave me no more to feel or to fear. Head. These are the eternal consequences of your warmth and precipitation. This is one of the scrapes into which you are ever leading us. You confess your follies, indeed, but still you hug and cherish them, and no reformation can be hoped where there is no repentance. Heart. Oh, my friend, this is no moment to upbraid my foibles. I am rent into fragments by the force of my grief. If you have any balm, pour it into my wounds. If none, do not harrow them by new torments. Spare me in this awful moment. At any other, I will attend with patience to your admonitions. Head. On the contrary, I never found that the moment of triumph with you was the moment of attention to my admonitions. While suffering under your follies, you may perhaps be made sensible of them. You fancy it can never return. Harsh, therefore, as the medicine may be, it is my office to administer it. You will be pleased to remember that when our friend Trumbull used to be telling us of the merits and talents of these good people, I never ceased whispering to you that we had no occasion for new acquaintances, that the greater their merits and talents, the more dangerous their friendship to our tranquility, because the regret at parting would be greater. Heart. Accordingly, sir, this acquaintance was not the consequence of my doings. It was one of your projects, which threw us in the